Tyson Fury has offered some advice to Anthony Joshua ahead of AJ's rematch with Andy Ruiz Jr. on December 7th. So let me quote the Gypsy King here. He says, I see he's lost a bit of weight. He's been taking notice of people saying he's got too much muscle on him. But really, that can be taken out of context as well. You can't change a bull into a racehorse. It doesn't work like that. A racehorse can't tow a wagon or a heavy load. Doesn't work. So if you take that big heavy horse, strip his muscle off, and then put him in the same cart he was in trying to pull that heavy load again, he's not going to manage it. So I think they are going to try to lose weight and try to move a lot. But you can't do that in one camp. That takes a lifetime practice. We saw Tony Bellew try to do it against Usek. Tried copying my style, but after eight rounds, his legs went. It works. It's effective. I've been successful 29 times in a row with it. You can't learn it overnight. What tends to happen with new things and new camps is when someone practices something in the gym for eight, 10, 12 weeks, and then they go in a fight and try to do it. As soon as they get clipped or get tired, they revert straight back to what they once knew. I've seen it many, many times. As soon as he holds his feet and starts to fight back, he loses in my opinion. But if he can get on the jab and box and move, which I've never ever seen him do, amateur or pro for 12 rounds, which for a heavyweight is a very hard thing to do, at some point he's going to have to stand and fight. And if he keeps running away from Ruiz with the jab, he's not got the footwork to do that. Work on what you're good at. That's what you're good at. Tighten your defense up and go forward and smash them. So those are the words of the Gypsy King. Now, <laughs> there's a lot to pick up on here in terms of what Tyson Fury said. So let's start at the very top. First of all, Tyson Fury has been ridiculing Anthony Joshua for years for being too muscle bound, calling him a pumped up bodybuilder, uh, talking about the fact that when you've got that much muscle on you, you get tired more quickly. The muscles fill up with lactic acid. So if you don't get somebody out of there in the first couple rounds, you're going to struggle for the rest of the fight. This is what Tyson Fury has been saying about AJ for years. So now AJ's lost some weight. You would expect Tyson Fury to applaud that. But no, Fury is all of a sudden saying the opposite. Now he's saying that AJ should keep the weight on and shouldn't bother losing the weight. <laughs> and I'll get onto why I think he's saying that in a little bit. He comes up with this analogy that you can't turn a bull into a racehorse. Well, that's a terrible analogy because a bull is naturally far more muscular than a racehorse. Anthony Joshua isn't naturally a 250 pound man or 255 pound man. No, Anthony Joshua is probably naturally 230. He bulks himself up with excess weightlifting, excess resistance training to make himself 250. So it's actually the opposite of what Tyson Fury is describing. Anthony Joshua is the racehorse which artificially bulks itself up to the size of a bull. And obviously it's not going to be very effective racing, is it? when it's got all that excess muscle on. So what AJ is actually doing is removing that excess muscle, which is not natural to his body. Okay, he's laying off all that resistance training and probably a few protein shakes or whatever it is. Laying off that and coming back down closer to his natural weight, where he will be faster, where he will be more fluid, closer to his natural weight. So again, terrible analogy by Tyson Fury there. If he was naturally 250, and he was starving himself to, you know, get rid of natural muscle mass. 
not pumped up weightlifter muscle mass, but natural muscle mass, if that's what he was doing, then Tyson Fury's anal analogy would work. But that's not what Anthony Joshua was doing. <laughs> okay, so terrible comparison. Then he talks about Tony Bellew. He says that Tony Bellew tried to copy his style against Usyk. Tony Bellew's been boxing on a back foot probably since he first tied up a, a pair of boxing gloves. Bellew was always a guy who could march forward and, you know, apply pressure tactics, but he also could box on the back foot. We saw it in the Oville McKenzie rematch. That's the first time I remember as a pro, Tony Bellew boxing on the back foot was when he rematched McKenzie. When he fought Stevenson, he boxed on the back foot. I mean, I think when he fought Masternick, there were moments there where he was on the back foot. Tony Bellew was boxed on the back foot numerous times, long before he fought Alexander Usek. And usually he was effective boxing on the back foot. So what on earth Tyson Fury is talking about, I've got no idea. Tony Belly did not copy Tyson Fury or tried to copy him going into the Usek fight. He just tried to do what he's been doing for years. He was up against one of the pound for pound best fighters in the world in Usek. That's why he lost. And also Belly got tired. You know, he says Belly, Belly's legs went. Belly got tired. He was coming down in weight. <laughs> you know, he hadn't fought for quite a while. He was coming down in weight. And he went in there against the guy in Usek who has a very high work rate. Yeah? Usek is, you know, on a pound for pound level, light years above Andy Ruiz Jr. when it comes to pound for pound skill. So, with the greatest of respect to Andy Ruiz, you know, he's no Usek. So, again, another very poor comparison there by Tyson Fury. And he says, you know, boxing on the back foot is great, it works, it's, it's uh, effective, but it, it takes a lifetime to learn it. <laughs> well, I remember when Deontay Wilder fought Berman Stavern in the lead up to that fight. And in my preview video, I said that Deontay Wilder's got Mark Breland in his camp. Breland will certainly be telling him to use his height and reach and box Berman Stavern. That's what Breland will be telling him because Bre Breland was a tremendous amateur, Olympic gold medalist, very good pro, a very well-schooled cronk fighter. Why on earth would he tell his uh, charge, Deontay Wilder, to just go in there all guns blazing with no regard for defense, like Wilder had been doing against the uh, 32 cab drivers and road sweepers he fought previously? Breland's, Breland knows that Stavern is way better than the guys Wilder's fought before. He knows that Stavern is a good counterpuncher, but he also knows that Stavern has got very slow feet. Just like me, he saw Stavern struggle with a 40-year-old Ray Austin. And so when I saw that Ray Austin fight, I kept saying this in the lead up to Wilder Stavern won. I kept saying if Ray Austin can outbox Berman Stavern for whatever it was, nine rounds until he got clipped, Deontay Wilder can do it for 12. As long as he keeps his discipline, and that's what I wasn't sure about, whether he'll keep his discipline for 12 rounds but he's got the height and reach to be able to do it. And so Pete, there was a backlash against me. People saying, oh, that's nonsense, Hatman. There's no way that Wilder can box on the back foot. I've never seen him do it before. Well, just because you've never seen him do it before doesn't mean he can't do it. And he doesn't have to be Muhammad Ali or even Tyson Fury to be able to outbox Berman Stavern. He's got the height, he's got the reach. He's not going to look as smooth as Fury or as fleet-footed as Ali. 
He's going to look a little more ungainly, but he's still going to be effective against somebody like Stavern if he just keeps it long. Stavern doesn't have quick enough feet to close down the range and keep him under relentless pressure. Okay, same goes for Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz Jr. Ruiz Jr. has got very fast hands, a very good counterpuncher when you engage him. But if you keep it long, you don't need to be Muhammad Ali to outbox Andy Ruiz Jr. You don't need to be as slick as Tyson Fury to outbox Ruiz Jr. if you've got the height and reach. You don't need to be, yeah? The height and reach, obviously the confidence, you know, you need to be a fighter of a certain level. You need to be a world-class fighter. But you don't need to be as, you know, ambidextrous and, and skilled as Fury to be outboxing Ruiz, in my opinion. Okay, so again, I think Tyson Fury is trying to mislead people with what he's saying here. And he says here that uh, he's never seen Anthony Joshua uh, box on a back foot before. Well, what did he do against Joseph Parker? He boxed on a back foot. And in fact, the Parker fight everybody should know this by now, really is the blueprint that Anthony Joshua needs to follow for the Andy Ruiz rematch. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Now, as far as what Tyson Fury says here about fighters reverting back to what they once knew as soon as they get clipped, well, that's true. That's the one part of this uh, Tyson Fury interview that I can actually agree with. Yes, fighters very often will revert back to type when they get hurt or you know when they get tired or whatever um so that's something anthony joshua obviously has to be concerned about you know he has to be mindful of is not but but again we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here anthony joshua did box a disciplined 12 round fight against joseph parker he's done it before he can do it again <laughs> all right and the last bit of what uh you know he does say that at some point aj's gonna have to stand and trade with Ruiz. Again, it depends on what kind of fight it is. Joseph Parker didn't have to stand and trade with Ruiz. You know? I mean, AJ didn't have to stand and trade with Joseph Parker. So it, it, it depends what kind of fight. But I'll get onto that in a minute. Uh, but he says, finally, that his advice to AJ in terms of how AJ should approach the Ruiz rematch is that Ruiz, uh, is that AJ should tighten his defense up, go forward, and smash him. That is what he's advising AJ to do, to tighten his defense up and march forward against Andy Ruiz. That has got to be the worst bit of advice I think I've ever heard Tyson Fury give anybody. Absolutely absurd. Now, why do I think Tyson Fury is, is, is now saying that AJ shouldn't take the muscle off and that AJ should just walk straight in on... Andy Ruiz and try to trade. That's essentially what he's saying. Keep the muscle on. Don't take it off. Walk forward and try and trade with Ruiz. That's your best chance of winning. Why is he saying that? Very simple. Because Tyson Fury desperately wants Anthony Joshua to lose the rematch. Very simple. He's giving him advice, which is almost guaranteeing that he'll lose to Ruiz again. <laughs> Tyson Fury is not only a very slick boxer, very skilled individual, but he's also a master of psychology, of mind games. That's what Tyson Fury is a master of. We saw him get under Vladimir Klitschko's skin and in his head. He's trying to get in Anthony Joshua's head here. He's trying to get Anthony Joshua to second guess himself. 
to be unsure about what he's doing. That's what Fury's attempting to do here. Tyson Fury still, still sees Anthony Joshua as a threat. Maybe not a threat to him as a fighter. Maybe he sincerely believes that he would destroy AJ easily. I don't know. But he certainly sees Anthony Joshua as a threat in terms of the amount of fan adulation that AJ gets. You know, if you cast your minds back to when David Price was unbeaten and when he was Tyson Fury's rival, Tyson Fury couldn't say a good word about David Price back then. Tyson Fury was constantly ridiculing Price and insulting him all day long. But as soon as David Price started losing, and in fact, the first time David Price lost, Tyson Fury was the first person to start gloating, saying, see, I told you he's nothing but a big stiff idiot, a plumber. But after he lost a few more times and David Price started losing fans and was no longer popular with the British public, then all of a sudden Tyson Fury started uh, expressing sympathy for David Price. Started saying, actually, I like David Price. <laughs> when Price was no longer a rival of his, in terms of a rival for the fan adulation, for a, a rival for popularity in the UK, as soon as he was no longer a rival, he was cool with Price. Maybe we'll see the same with Anthony Joshua. If Anthony Joshua loses the Ruiz rematch, and continues to lose and goes on to be just a, a gatekeeper or a journeyman, maybe we'll see, uh, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, by the way, but, you know, theoretically, hypothetically, if that happened, maybe we'll see Tyson Fury all of a sudden say, actually, I really like AJ. <laughs> but as long as AJ remains a rival uh, when it comes to popularity, to Tyson Fury, Fury is going to continue to pray, wish for his downfall give him advice which will almost certainly lead to his downfall. <laughs> the most absurd bit of advice I've ever seen anybody give Anthony Joshua, Joshua for this Ruiz rematch, which contradicts what Fury has said previously about AJ being too muscle-bound. Now he says, no, keep the muscle on, go forward. You know, Anthony Joshua got himself in trouble against Andy Ruiz when he exchanged with him. That's when he got himself in trouble. Prior to that, he wasn't getting himself in trouble. <laughs> so so uh, Fury's advice is to do exactly what got you in trouble that's the best thing to do keep the muscle on so you get tired <laughs> exchange with the guy absolute terrible advice just wants him to lose and he's trying to mess with his mind now in terms of what AJ should do as I mentioned Deontay Wilder when he boxed Berman Stavern people didn't think he could box long range for 12 rounds I don't know why you know Ray Austin managed to do it against Stavern, it doesn't take Muhammad Ali, and it's not going to take Muhammad Ali to outbox Ruiz for 12 rounds. Um, the thing about Andy Ruiz, as I mentioned before, is that he is primarily a front foot counterpuncher. He's not an out-and-out -out, uh, volume puncher. That's not Andy Ruiz. Jarrell Miller is an out-and-out -out volume puncher. He'll just come forward relentlessly and throw and throw and throw a very high volume of punches. Ruiz is not like that. Ruiz applies... Fairly slow, but steady pressure. And he relies on you opening up. As soon as you open up, Ruiz is on you with encounters on the front foot. Okay, so the more punches you throw against Andy Ruiz, the more opportunities you give him to land shots on you. So the basis of fighting Ruiz, if you're a tall guy like AJ, you know, 6'6", 82 inch reach, the basis of it is to minimize your punch output. 
Because if you minimize your punch output, you're going to minimize his punch output. Yeah, Ruiz is not a guy who likes to throw when you're not throwing. He might throw the odd jab here and there, but he's not a guy who's going to leap across the ring like Mike Tyson and be on you like a harbor shark. That's not Ruiz's game. One of the reasons that that's not his game is because he's so heavy. He doesn't have quick feet. He's got very quick hands. His feet are not quick. Okay, so if Ruiz was to try and go in there and just march you down when you're fresh, yeah? You know, maybe if he's got a hurt fighter or a really tired fighter, he can become a little bit Joe Frazier or Mike Tyson-esque in terms of being relentless. But when he's got a fresh guy in there who's got good legs on him, Ruiz is going to be cautious. He's going to stalk you cautiously and wait for you to open up. Yeah, because, because he's so heavy, if he leaps in and starts throwing shots, he's going to leave himself off balance and open. And he doesn't want to do that. He's not as agile as a Mike Tyson. Yeah? So he can't leap in with, with shots like that on a fresh guy. So with Ruiz, keep it long and don't throw more than two punches at a time against Andy Ruiz for the majority of the fight. Same as AJ did against Joseph Parker. Keep it low volume. Stick to the jab at long range. The occasional lead left hook at long range. Make, make sure you're not telegraphing that left hook because Ruiz will be able to time it. Throw the lead left hook sparingly but pick your spots with it because he landed some beautiful lead left hooks at long range against Andy Ruiz in the first two rounds before that infamous third round yes he did you go back and watch it he was he was hooking off the jab very very well in the first two rounds that is what AJ should stick to in the rematch low volume keep it long move around plenty jab you know hook off the jab occasionally at long don't do it at, at medium range or close range Ruiz will catch it let's do it at long range now the right hand is the most dangerous punch for Anthony Joshua to throw. Dangerous in the sense that it makes him most vulnerable. Because when he threw the right hand in the first fight against Ruiz, he was throwing it with a bent arm and leaning in with it. So when he threw the right hand, he wasn't keeping his head stationary and just extending his arm out like you need to do against Ruiz to, to maintain the distance between your head and Andy Ruiz's fists. No, he wasn't doing that. Instead, he was leaning his upper body in when he threw the right hand. So his head came closer to Andy Ruiz when he was throwing the right hand, much closer. Absolutely terrible thing to do against Ruiz. <laughs> you're bringing the target when you're 6'6", 82 inch reach and Ruiz is you know, barely 6'1", with maybe a 74 inch reach. You're bringing the target way closer to Ruiz when you throw the right hand. That is a terrible thing to be doing. <laughs> and he was doing it over and over again. If AJ can't correct that right hand, look, th there's a time and a place to throw the right hand like that. For example, when Evander Holyfield fought Mike Tyson, he was throwing the right hand like that against Tyson very often. He wasn't throwing it, you know, keeping his head uh, in one position and then extending the right hand out fully so it's straight and long. No, uh, Holyfield wasn't doing that. Holyfield was throwing it with a bent arm most of the time and he would lean his head in after throwing the right hand. And that's because the difference in height between Holyfield and Tyson I mean, it was maybe what, three, four inches difference in height. And, you know, the difference in reach was maybe, I don't know, quite significant, but still it was a different dynamic between Holyfield and Tyson than there is between AJ and Ruiz. So Holyfield was throwing the right hand because he could fight Tyson up close. He had the chin to do it. He had the defense to do it. So, and, he, and also Mike Tyson's very quick with his feet. So Holyfield knew that if he extended the right hand, and kept his head in the same position, there could be a left hook counter coming from Mike Tyson. Because Tyson's feet very quick, much quicker than Andy Ruiz's feet. Yeah? 
so he can cover the distance quickly. With Ruiz, you ain't got to worry so much about that. Yeah? So, Ruiz is not going to throw... If you throw a right hand long enough and straight enough, Ruiz will try counter back. But if you, if you pull out the way, his counters are going to fall short. And we saw that actually several times. In fact, when he dropped Ruiz with a left hook and he went in to finish Ruiz in that first fight, AJ, he hit Ruiz with a right hand. Remember the long right hand he hit Ruiz with? That time, he threw the right hand straight. He didn't try, you know, from what I can remember anyway, throw a bent arm right hand where he leaned his head in. He threw it straight and long. And that time, Ruiz countered and his counters fell short. Okay? If AJ's going to throw the right hand, he needs to make sure he throws it like that and not like all the other right hands he threw in the fight where he's leaning his head in as he throws them. Don't do that. That's a very, very bad thing to do against Andy Ruiz. Okay? The blueprint, as I say, is the Joseph Parker fight. It's all there. Very straightforward. Keep it low volume and frustrate Ruiz. Yeah? He's, he's a little guy with fast hands, short feet. He's not a volume guy. Move around, jab him. Occasional left hook at long range. Jab him, jab him. You know, if you do have an opportunity to land the right hand, you know, land the right hand, but be careful. Yeah? What you want to try and do is frustrate Ruiz to the point where he starts taking chances. When he starts taking chances, the opportunities to land more shots will open themselves up to you. Don't go looking for them. Don't go trying to, you know, create something against Andy Ruiz, which is what AJ did the first time around. He was trying to look for the knockout. Don't look for it. Yeah, if the knockout is going to come, it will come. Concentrate on frustrating Ruiz. Keeping it long, keeping it low volume, straight punches all the, all the time, everything long range. Ruiz eventually is going to realize, you know what? He's not really doing much, but he's probably doing enough to nick some of these rounds in the eyes of these judges. So I need to start taking more chances. You're going to see Manny Robles in the corner saying, go forward, attack him, attack him, do this, do that, do the other. And when he does that, that's going to open opportunities for, up for AJ. Now, this all sounds very simple, the way I'm describing it, right? It's not that simple because Andy Ruiz is a good boxer. He was having some success even prior to that third round. He was landing some nice jabs to AJ's body. And they do, you know, people might not think the jabs look like much, but from a heavyweight, particularly when somebody's jabbing you in the body like that, it can take it out of your legs. Okay. So the jab to the body could be something that AJ needs to watch out for. All right. Um, right hands and, and hooks to the body at long range Ruiz isn't really going to be able to land those okay but a jab to the body yeah needs to condition himself you know AJ is a guy when you look at his body you would think that this guy could take body shots all day long because of the fact that he's so muscular around the waist but actually he's really vulnerable around the waist <laughs> you know I mean we saw that in the Dylan White fight as soon as he got hit with some body shots it's, it's like he was almost wincing you hit Andy Ruiz with body shots and he's got all that cushioning. <laughs> it's not going to make no difference to him. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'll say about the fight. And, and look, even if AJ follows the game plan from the Joseph Parker fight, it's no guarantee he's going to win. Of course not. Andy Ruiz might still win. AJ's got a lot of demons to overcome and so on and so forth. But what I'm telling you is that boxing the way he did against Parker will give him the best chance of victory. It won't guarantee victory, but it will give him the best chance. If you want to give him the worst chance of victory and the best chance of losing again, then follow Tyson Fury's advice. <laughs> that's, that's the best way to get yourself knocked out again is following what Fury said. Now, there's always the, the chance that he could land a shot on Ruiz's chin before Ruiz lands on him. 
yeah, there's a chance you could do that. But Ruiz's, uh, Ruiz's chances of winning are going to increase exponentially if you trade with him. That's what's going to happen. So it is what it is. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about all the points I've raised in this video. It's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.